All right, welcome back to Coffee Conversations and Badasses Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Hayes. Hey, guys, gals, I know you're watching this. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, notification button. Greatly appreciated. We love you all and thank you for your support. And not only that, but our guests are also going to thank you. And without further ado, our next guest is Stephanie West. Stephanie, how are you doing this morning? I am awesome. How are you? I'm, I'm perky. You know, I've had my coffee. I'm ready to go. Uh, maybe my ADHD is kicking in a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's, that's just part of life. So perky is a good way to be. It, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the only way to really wake up these days, right? I mean, if you're not, and you're not being the best self, then why? You know what I mean? You got to figure out that why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're trying to peel yourself off the sheets every morning going, oh my God, I don't want to wake up. I don't even want to be here this morning. Then you're, you're like, you've got to figure out that why, you know, yeah. because now you're just going to ruin the rest of your day. So I and usually start my, say what? And ruin everyone else's day too. So typically, typically, right. If you're down there in the morning, you're going to be down in the afternoon, you know? So just wake up in a positive mood. So you've had kind of ran a the gamut kind of really with some relationships, um, <laughs> you know, in particular one relationship that really just put you in the ringer and uh, was actually pretty scary at times yeah. for you. You know, I know you were married uh, in uh, 2007 um, and the dude was a decent guy. You know, just didn't work out. What happened? Why? Why didn't that relationship work out? Um, it was yeah. It was a two thousand four. Um, you know, I think he yeah. He's an amazing person. We actually still know each other. Very randomly, we reconnected, having nothing to do with our relationship. Um, he's an amazing person. I think. You know, one of the things when when your upbringing is a little disjointed, a little dysfunctional, um, is that it becomes very difficult for you to recognize what a healthy relationship is. It becomes very difficult for you to be who you need to be in order to maintain a, a functional relationship. And I think in that relationship, we were young. We were both right out of college. We met in college. Um, but I really do think I was just not capable of being in a functional relationship because I, it didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand it. Um, what so, roles yeah. did you have as a functional relationship growing up? In, in my household, um, there was a very, um, a very, noticeable imbalance of, I don't want to use the word power, but one parent in my household absolutely ran the show, um, had some emotional regulation challenges. And so they always got their way. Um, they, you know, we had the silent treatment, we had shaming. Um, basically this one parent always got their way. And, so that's what I saw, you know, I saw that, that it's the person who um, plays these mind games and manipulates everybody else that that's, you know, somebody's got to play that role. Somebody's got to do those things. And so I think, 
that's really what I knew. And I will say, you know, my parents are still together. Uh, My parents come across as being in a happy relationship. And so there's not a reason as a kid for you to question that dynamic, right? It it seems to work. Um, And so I think I just saw, I have a pretty strong personality myself. And so I think I just saw that and thought, yeah, that's how that works. And I, I think I did play a lot of stupid games and, and just do things that were not in the best interest of my husband. They were not in the best interest of our partnership. And um, yeah, I think I just... Well, that's what tends to happen. You know, when you're in this family dynamic and and you, you gravitate towards one or the other, right? You're either going to be the one that is manipulating or you're going to be the one that's getting manipulated, if I could talk. Um, <laughs> it's okay. That just means I haven't had enough coffee. So, you know, we, we emulate that in our relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very key that, I mean, you said your family, your mom and dad still together, that mm-hmm. you saw love. But you also, the doors closed, you saw a different side in that family unit. And then you brought that into that relationship. Uh, and you probably didn't even know it at the time. You just were thinking, this like, hey, this is me. What are you talking about? I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, we don't know that. We don't know that. We don't get that. Um, I was the same way. I, well, I didn't have a mom really growing up. It was just me and my dad, and he was kind of a rough dad, you know, firefighter, mm-hmm. construction worker, all that good stuff. Kind of a, not, not too rough, but, you know, he wasn't all kumbaya giving me loves, you know. I wasn't getting that, you know, that motherly love, you know, that everybody needs. Mm-hmm. So you took that into the relationship, and is that kind of what transpired into the, the fallout was you were taking some of those bad habits that you learned in growing up into that relationship and that's what caused that an ultimate divorce? Um, it actually wasn't. Um, I, I have been diagnosed with ADHD. I'm definitely a very impulsive person. I really love novelty and change and newness. And to be honest, after a couple of years in that relationship, he was very stable. Um, and I kind of, needed drama. (laughs) I mean, just, just to be honest. And so I, I had, I had told him that, you know, I was just kind of feeling like we were stuck kind of in this rut. Um, and that just didn't really change. And so I did a very ADHD thing and I just kind of blew it up. Um, and in hindsight, because I have reconnected with him, I now know his wife and they have an amazing child Uh, which is how they came back into my life. And I am so grateful that she came into his life later because she is a much better partner to him than I ever was. And so not that I'm glad that things went the way they went because it was, it was, it was not a good situation for either one of us, but I'm really glad that he now is married to her. Um, especially after everything that happened with us. I'm glad that he is in a much better situation than it was with me when I was 22. I mean, really at 22, there's no reason somebody should be getting married at 22. I was 22 when I got married. 
And (laughs) let me tell you, so I had no room to be one, a father at that time, which I did. I became a father at 22 and being married. You know, I didn't even know what a healthy relationship looked like. I've never, I don't even know if I've ever seen one growing up. Yeah. And you know, that's the crazy part is now I'm over here like, wow, now I've got a kid and I'm married and now I have to be somewhat of a functional. I don't know if I can be, I don't know what that is. I don't know what normal is, you know? And that's what these people, that's why I've tried to find like, what's normal, you know, what's normal. I don't know. Yeah. But you got to, you, your curiosity. My curiosity is actually getting me right now. How did you guys rekindle? Oh, uh, so I, um, I run a business where I, I'm a social coach for autistic and ADHD kids. Um, and so I got a message on him from Facebook a couple years ago. We had not talked in, I mean, over a decade, however long ago that was. And I got a message from him on Facebook because his daughter was diagnosed with autism and he was referred to me. (laughs) Wow. Small world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so he messaged and he was just, um, you know, it's a really overwhelming thing when you have a child that's diagnosed with, with a disability or, you know, special needs, whatever. And so he was feeling really overwhelmed and he reached out and said, you know, can I, can we talk? I, I just don't know what to do. So we ended up um, connecting and just talking about his kiddo. And then he and his wife ended up enrolling her in my program. Um, oh. And so she was in my program for a couple of years. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, and I like to brag, like that just shows how amazing I am at what I do, that my ex-husband is one of my customers, you know, yeah. <laughs> how many people can say that? So. Not, not very many I don't know. I, I mean, not very many. That is a definitely small group of people in America. I don't even know if most husbands, ex-husbands and wives could even be in the same room. You know, yeah. that's a challenge in itself. Uh, you know, it, you're right. It, having kids with a disability being born is, is super, super difficult, super stressful mm-hmm. because they don't, they don't know it. We know it. And now we're like, man, I've got this little guy. And so I, I know I have, I have experience in this. You know, I've got this little person. You know, now I have to really look after even more. Mm-hmm. And uh, my son was, uh, he has a, was, has a cleft lip, cleft palate. And it's not generational. It was not in our family uh, on either side. It just something that happened. Uh, hell, it could have been something I was exposed to while in the military. I have no idea. We don't know. You know, they even had a, I, I forgot what they call it, uh, geneticists or no people who looked at genetics, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I forgot having a little, uh, uh, you know, trouble thinking what that word is. But anyway, they looked at our lineage and was like, yeah, you don't have a trace of it. So uh, this kind of a fluke thing, which it is what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. But now, you know, my, my little boy, man, is he's just, he's a handsome little guy, you know, got a little scar, but, you know, moving forward with life. Uh, but, he has his own challenges, man. School and people, man, can be very mean. And so he's kind of experiencing some of that. But uh, yeah. we're working through it as a, as a dad and, and, and a mom and with him. Uh, and then he has a sister that's just super protective. So um, that's going to be a very interesting dynamic as he gets older, as she gets older. But yeah, so you, you rekindle because of your profession. Um, mm-hmm. 
and then actually not rekindled. Not rekindled. You just, not rekindled. You just got back. You just got back in touch with him because with your profession, he is now your customer. Yeah. And then uh, a few years after that, you met um, another individual. Yeah, I I had moved to a new city. I like to move a lot. It's kind of you know. Actually, I'm moving again soon. Wait, wait, okay, hold on. How many times have you moved? Um. So. Within, I live in Texas right now. Within Texas, I've lived in, and um, I moved, I went to college out of state. So I moved out of state to go to college. And then within Texas, I've lived in four major cities, but I've probably moved. I honestly, moving as far as moving homes, 12 times, maybe more. Um, even so, I got divorced. I separated and then divorced four years ago. I know I've moved five times um, in the four years since I've been separated and I'm about to move again. Um, Yeah. That's probably because of something that happened in your relationship, right? Which part? Moving so many times after. Um, No, I actually, I've kind of been up-leveling. Part of it has been me up-leveling. When I left the relationship, I didn't take... Uh, we had separate finances and um, I didn't take anything. And I, I was honestly living like in the poverty line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I moved into an apartment that was honestly the cheapest slash safest apartment complex I could find. It had to be both of those together. And so then once I was able to move out of there, then I could move into something that was a little bit nicer. And then I moved into an apartment and six months later, they told me there was structural damage and I had to move out. And, you know, and now I'm living in this amazing house uh, that I love. It's probably my favorite place I've ever lived. Um, But now I'm done living in Texas. And so I'm moving somewhere else. So I just really, I really love novelty and change and new experiences. And yeah, I just really love that. That's awesome. That's great. (laughs) You know, and having the capabilities of doing so is even better. What? Yeah. So you got in this, you got married again, you got divorced and then you end up in another relationship with, uh, Mm -hmm. with a guy, uh, that was, uh, I don't know. How did it start? How'd you meet this guy? I had just moved to a new city, um, didn't know anybody because I don't ever, I mean, usually when I move, I'm just just going somewhere. So I didn't know anybody. This was 2007, I think. So this was before apps. This was before smartphone. I mean, this was, you know, um, a different internet age. And so I got on some dating website, something, I, I can't even really tell you. A, lo- a lot of the information is is not clear in my memory because number one I have a really poor memory but also because it was such a difficult situation a lot of it I have a hard time recalling Um, but it was some some web dating website something um, and that's where I met this person he didn't live in the city I was in but he was coming into he was coming there for an event um, and he invited me to attend this event with him and so that's that's how it started. Um, wait, wait, 
you didn't know each other, just just talk over whatever this dating site was. Mm-hmm. And he was going to this event for work or? Um, yes. For So he was a musician and he was, it was an awards ceremony where he was getting an award, um, some kind of ceremony, banquet, something, I don't know. And so he invited me to go, you know, as his date to this, this awards thing. Um, and then he ended up no showing. Um, he was supposed to pick me up and he ended up not. And then apparently there were, there was an accident. I don't, I don't even remember. He, there was some excuse as to what happened. And this just goes to show the mental state I was in that I continued making plans with this person after that happened. It just goes to show how dysfunctional my mental state was at that time. Um, And I also, you know, I think my, I was just diagnosed with ADHD two years ago, but I had a pretty challenging childhood. And I think when you're constantly feeling like you're not okay. There's something wrong with you. You're getting in trouble all the time. You're not good enough. You, you, that's what you know, and that's what you feel, and that's what you believe. And so I think for those of us who grew up in environments like that, it becomes really difficult to to stop believing those things and to change your, your mentality and your mindset. So I was very much in that mindset as a young adult. And I think it definitely led me to attracting men who kind of took advantage of that. Um, It led me to um, continuing to be in situations, even when I knew that they were not okay. I just, I think I really felt like, it wasn't possible for me to be in better situations. Like, I think, I think that's really how I felt like this is, this is, is I'm, I'm broken. I'm damaged. I'm, you know, the, and this is, this is as good as it gets. Um, and so here's somebody trying to give me time and attention and I can feel that this is a bad situation, but I would really like some time and attention. And so off you go. So you felt that right off the rip when you met the guy? Yes. I'm, I'm, highly intuitive. I always know when shit's going south. I always know. Um, I just, for most of my life have not listened. Yep. But I, I can always tell. Yeah. It's hard to listen to yourself because yeah. you don't want to believe it. You, know, yes, you don't yes. want to believe it. I mean, that's just it. You know, I think everybody who has taken a breath can sit there and say, yep, I know I put myself in a bad situation but I'm going to make it better or I'm going to take this guy and fix him or this is as good as it gets because I don't deserve anything better because that's what we tell ourselves. And that was what we believe, which is bullshit. It is. So right off the rip, this guy's just giving you this, not the good vibes didn't show up. Now date two's plan to take it. I honestly don't even really remember what happened after that. I know that um, he did not live in the city I lived in, but he was there often. And I ended up at the time I was living in a three bedroom house, which was more space than what I needed. 
And I ended up offering for him to basically rent one of the bedrooms from me um, so that when he was in town, he could stay. It was a two-story house. And so the main living space was all on the first floor, including my bedroom. And so all that was like one and a half. All that was upstairs was two bedrooms and a bathroom. And so basically I just, he paid me rent every month and I let him have that space. Um, And I think... I realized I wasn't really romantically interested in him. Um, but I did. I appreciated having extra income. Um, I appreciated having company. But we it really very quickly no longer became a romantic relationship. We really did just become like roommates. And he, I mean, in hindsight, it's so it actually makes me kind of embarrassed to talk about it. He would frequently ask me to marry him. Um, and every time I would, I would be like, yeah, no, absolutely not. Like I'm not happening. Um, but just in hindsight to be able to see all the manipulation and, you know, all the love bombing and, and just now the things that I know now to be able to see how, messed up that situation was, but I honestly, I, I kind of needed the extra money. Um, so that went on, it was a few months. I think it was like over the holidays, if I'm remembering correctly, it was a few months that we lived like that, but we're, we were not, um, I would never say we were dating at that point. We, there was no physical, you know, um, we, we basically lived like roommates and friends. Yeah, but he keeps asking to marry you. Yes. So he obviously sees there's something there or some kind of dynamic going on to 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 see that. I mean, to kind of have that feeling like, hey, several months go by. Because he didn't ask you once or twice. This kept going on for months, right? Yeah, it was definitely several. And it would be random moments. I mean, it would be, you know, we're driving in the car to go pick up dinner or we're City. I mean, it would just be random moments. And he, and, and again, in hindsight, I think it's, it's just that manipulation. It's, it's that him wanting me to feel like that. I don't know. It, I can, I mean, I, in hindsight, I can totally see it. Um, so yeah, that went on for several months. Again, I'm really fuzzy on, on the time frame. Um, and then there was one day I had, I had made plans to help somebody also fuzzy on the details of this, but I remember that she had, I'm a, I'm a runner and it was something to do with a race and she was wanting someone to help her get like lists of potential donors. And so I volunteered to help her do that. And so um, we had made a plan to meet at a Starbucks so that she could tell me more about, you know, what she needed me to help her with. And this was, you know, again, like 15 years ago, Starbucks were not as prominent as they are now. There wasn't there, you know, there were less of them. Um, and so I had told this man like, Hey, I have, I'm going to meet somebody. Um, and I, I didn't tell him what it was about. I, I had learned to be more private about my time Um, And so I didn't tell him who it was. I didn't tell him what it was about. I just said, hey, I'm going to meet somebody. You know, I'll be back later. And I had told him that I was going. Now I don't remember if I told him I was going to Starbucks 
or if I didn't tell him. But I'm sitting in this meeting, and the Starbucks is probably 15 minutes away from my house. So I'm sitting in Starbucks talking to this woman, and I look up, and he's at the counter ordering a drink. And I just, I was like, this man followed me. I immediately knew he followed me to see who I'm meeting with. Like he thinks I'm on a date or something. It immediately, I knew that that's what had happened. And so I didn't acknowledge him. I acted like I didn't see him. And then when we both were home that night, I basically called him out um, and I told him he needed to leave. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of back and forth. Finally, he ended up leaving. Um, I, you know, had the locks on the door changed and everything. And that was the end of it, except that he's still calling, texting, emailing, that kind of stuff. But I'm like, he clearly followed me somewhere to see what I was doing. Right. And then you start thinking, gosh, I wonder how many times that's happened before. You know, like you start to wonder Hmm, this can't be the first time something like this has happened. So at that point, I thought everything was was done. Everything was, you know, over. Um, he's continuing to call and text me repeatedly. Um, and so another thing that happened, I I forget how everything fell in line according to time frames, but I had gone to a car dealership to get a new car and I've always been really financially responsible and so had no concerns about anything. And I got rejected because of my credit, which I was like, that doesn't even make sense. I don't know how that's possible, but I also was not monitoring my credit in any way at that time. I was young. Like I was in my mid twenties or something like that. And so I went online and I did, you know, you can get your free credit reports from the three agencies. Um, And there were five credit cards that had been opened with me as a co-signer, I believe, and about $30,000 had been charged on them. So I lost my shit. I mean, I like, it's one of those moments where you just don't even know how to react to something like that. I lost my shit. Um, and I started calling them. And of course, every time I put his name, it's his name. He's the one on the credit card. It's his name. Um, and there's five of them and it's $30,000 in total. And it's been like, four months. I mean, in like four months, he had racked up 30. I mean, I just lost my damn mind. And so I called him. I mean, in hindsight, I would have handled this way differently, but I, I mean, I was just, you know, you get stuck in the moment. So I called him and I think I left him a voicemail and just basically went off and, you know, you, you better get this taken care of. Um, so he called me back and promised me that he would start paying, like making payments and all that. And he laid out this whole plan for me. And of course, none of it ever happened. Um, he had opened a post office box in my name and that's where all the statements were going. So I had no idea, no idea. The only way I knew was because of the car dealership. Otherwise I have no idea how long this would have gone on for. 
because I, the statements were not coming to my house. Um, you know, I didn't have my credit monitored. I mean, I, I don't know how I ever would have found out. Um, so then the text messages and phone calls become even more. So he ramps up the phone calls and text messages after you give him a call and say, Hey, because dude. Now, now he's trying to get on my good side, right? Now he's trying to like placate me. Okay. So I ended up again, this was, bef- this was such a long time ago. Technology was in a different place. I created an Excel spreadsheet and I typed out my whole phone log. Every time he called me, every time he left me a voicemail, I typed the transcripts of every text message he sent. Because back then you could only save like 15 text messages on your phone. You couldn't yeah. have like a two-year history. <laughs> you could only have like 15. So I transcribed every text message he'd sent. It was pages and pages and pages. And I took them um, to the police station. And I tried to file charges against him for the credit card fraud. The police told me that because he was living in my home at the time, they could not prove that I did not give him permission to open credit cards in my name. So they refused to press charges against the, on the credit cards. I then filed charges against him for harassment on the messages and, and that kind of thing. He was, I was moving at the time and he was messaging me, asking me how my move was going. Um, and so then I'm thinking, how does he know that I'm moving? How does he know where I'm moving? Like then all that starts again, right? So right so there, then, we're going to take a break and we're going to okay. get back and find out how you found out you were moving and what he did afterwards. Okay. So listeners, again, like, subscribe, hit this up. Let's go. It's time. We know you're listening. We know you're watching. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notifications. <laughs> and we'll be right back. The show wouldn't be made possible without our sponsors. Red, White, and Badass Brew and Go Man Go Productions. Your vision is our mission because we see it too. We're with Steph West, and she just got done telling us how she was in a situational ship, I would even call it, more than a relationship. And it really turned into a roommate-type situation. It really turned for the worse, where the guy opened up five credit cards in her name, charged him up, 30K debt, and the police can't do anything about it. Steph, where does it go from there? How The police can't do anything about it. Now you're stuck with $30,000 in credit card debt. You couldn't get a new car. And now where, where does it go? Yeah. So I, um, yeah, they wouldn't press charges on the credit cards. Um, They did end up arresting him for harassment based on my transcripts of the phone calls and everything. But I did, one of the detectives said to me, well, why don't you just change your phone number? 
And my response was, because I don't fucking have to. Like I, it is not on me to change my phone number to keep another person from harassing me. That that's not the that's not the approach to take here. Um, so they ended up arresting him for harassment, and then the next morning, um, I was woken up by my phone early in the morning because it would not stop going off. And so I, I get up and I look at my phone and voicemails, text messages, phone calls, just pouring into my phone. And it's earlier than I would have normally been awake. So it's, I don't know, like 5.30 in the morning. But all these different numbers, it's not like it was my family or something. It's all these random numbers. And I start listening and... It is men um, with some very sexually inappropriate voicemails. I don't think there were text messages. I think this was before that was really a big thing. But phone calls, voicemails, like very sexually based messages being left on my voicemail. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? What is happening? And so I got out of bed and I was able to talk to one of the men. Like I called him and I'm like, please tell me what's happening. I don't know what's, I don't understand what's happening. And he was like, oh my gosh. Uh, and he was like, you're on Craigslist. And I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, there's a, it's like on the dating me- hookup section, there's a post. And he said, it has your phone number and it has a bunch of pictures of you. And it says that you live in this town and you work in this town and that you're looking for a backseat hookup anywhere in between. And that's the town I live in. That's the town I work in. I have no idea what the pictures were because if this person had, if anybody had pictures of me that would have been appropriate for something like that, they were taken without my consent. Um, And so I have no idea what the pictures were. They might not have even been me. I don't know. So I ran to my computer. I was able to get on Craigslist and I was able to contact them and have the listing removed. Um, but, oh my gosh, like the, the feeling that someone has done something like that to you. And th- because this was so long ago, this was before something like that was illegal. I mean, there were no laws or anything about something like that. And so I called the police because this had just yesterday, the day before was the day that he was arrested for harassment. And so I called the police. I'm like, I'm telling you it was him. I'm telling you, like nobody else would do something like that, you know? And so um, they arrested him. He had bailed out like the night before. And so they arrested him again. But because there was no law about what he did, they they charged him under retaliation um, that basically he did it because I had him arrested. So they arrested him for retaliation um, and did this, you know, whole investigation with Craigslist to try to track down, you know, where it came from and everything. But they waited so long that by the time they got the information, all they could prove was that it came from a device in the town that he lived in. Um, They couldn't track it to a specific device. Again, this was a long time ago. 
He's the only person I've ever known that lives in that town. I, even to this day, I have never met another person that lives in that town. But because they couldn't prove that it was him, they ended up dropping the charges. So all that happened with the credit cards. I ended up having to hire an attorney and we went, um, he sued this person and he sued the five credit card companies. Two of them had small balance, less than a thousand dollars. And so they immediately just, you know, dropped, dropped it. Um, and so we ended up still having to deal with all the other credit card companies and it was months, months and months and months. And of course my credit was just completely annihilated. Um, and so having to deal with that, I mean, I, I remember at that time it was in the summer and I was driving back and forth to a city about four hours away because I was finishing graduate school Um, And I would go during the week and then come back on the weekends and I would spend my four hour commute on the phone with my attorney, with the credit card companies, with the credit bureaus, just trying to get all this done. And this man is texting me while this is happening. Like, Hey, how's your trip to Dallas? How the fuck do you know that I'm driving to Dallas? You know? So all this is going on. Um, So he's still tracking you somehow. Yes. Yes. And I, I had moved did you end up changing your number too? I didn't change my number. Um, I had moved either before or after. And I was so paranoid. I moved into this house that had a big window that faced the street. And I bought um, window tint, um, like, like film to put in that window because it was my living room. Like I didn't want people driving by and seeing me sitting on the couch I, my truck was too big to fit in the garage and I told my neighbors what was happening and they let me park in their garage um, because I did not want like evidence that I lived in that house. I was basically trying to be, you know, like anonymous. I I didn't want it known where I was. I was still working in the same place. And so I started taking a different route home from work. Um, I like, it's the level of paranoia I've never experienced something like that before. It's like, you just don't know. You don't know when this person is there and when they're, you don't even know if they are. It's, it's just like, it makes you so insane because you just don't know. Um, and it caused a lot of mental health issues. I Like I now have this significant startle reflex that I still have to this day because I was always terrified of like turning around and seeing him behind me. I like, I, Oh my gosh, I can't even explain the feeling. Did it continue after the fact? Like Um, after he's got arrested a couple times and he's still texting you still obviously following you because he's hitting mm -hmm. you up saying, Hey, how's your drive back from Dallas? And how, how would he know that unless you're telling him, right? Right. I mean, about the only way for him to know. Right. Yeah, but and did that, was that a continual pattern for more for months down the so, road? Like, yeah, it ended up because he wasn't arrested. Like it wasn't. St- so stalking means that someone's threatening you harm. He never threatened me harm. And so I couldn't get like a restraining order against him. I couldn't get anything like, because he wasn't threatening me. 
So none of the more restrictive options were available to me because there was no threat of harm, right? Like he wasn't leaving like dead birds on my porch. He wasn't, you know? Um, and so what, uh, what happened next is that when we were still living together, I had met up with a guy that I used to date because he was in the town that I lived in. And so we met up um, and a couple months later, when all this was happening with this guy, I started getting emails from someone who was a friend of the guy that I had dated that I had met up with. When I met up with him, we were in a group Um and this guy was like, hey, I'm so-and-so's friend. Um, I asked him if, if it would be okay for me to have your email address because, you know, like I thought like we would really get along and hit it off. And so he gave me your email address. I hope that's okay. So I started emailing with this guy. Um, and it, this was before smartphones. So you don't have your email on your phone. Like it's only when you're at home, you know. Um, so we're just emailing at home. But I really like was telling this person a lot of you know, like I would tell him, Hey, I'm go." I remember specifically telling him I was going to a friend's wedding one evening. And, you know, um, I just remember I would tell him where I was going, what I was doing, whatever. Um, and at one point I was telling him what was going on with this situation with the police and the, the credit and all that kind of stuff. And then the next day I get an email from the man at the center of the police credit stuff apologizing to me for what was happening. And it immediately occurred to me that the man I had been emailing thinking he was a friend of someone I used to date was this man the whole time. Like he had created this fake email account and it was him the whole time. And I like, I don't know that I've ever felt so naive and vulnerable and stupid in my life. Like I, it, it's such a, gutting feeling to like, you just feel so stupid. So I realized it was him the whole time. Um, Did you ever get to the point of why he would do something like that? Like, is he trying to get, I wouldn't even say get back together because you were never together. Yeah. Yeah, So it's, it's very confusing (laughs) ordeal. Cause like you weren't in a relationship and uh, what was the game? Like, was he that infatuated, that in love? And manipulation. I, I think it's just, I think when, I think someone like that is used to being the person in control. And in our situation, that had flipped. I'd had him arrested. I had a lawsuit against him. I think he had lost control and it was just, he needed to be in control of things. And I also know from a gut level, not from a like proof level, I know I am not the first or the last woman that he has done shit like this to. I mean, you, I just know this. Um, and that's part of the reason why it was really important to me to get him arrested and to file the lawsuit against him because I know that this isn't even just about me. So finally, once I figured that part out, that he was the one emailing me and I called him out on it, like that part of it stopped and we did not have any more contact that I know of. I still have no idea if he, you know, was followed. I I have no idea. And I still retained 
so much. I even like I got a post office box when I moved just because I thought if he knows where my mail is being forwarded to, he can find it. I, I, that's not even logical, but that was just a thing that I, I was like, well, I don't want my address on anything. And so I had all my mail being sent to a post office box just in case he figured, I mean, it like, it just gets, you start doing things that aren't even really rational, but just whatever you can think of to try to protect yourself, you know? Um, once my credit got cleaned up, I went and got a new vehicle because I didn't want to be driving a vehicle that he would recognize. And I became so paranoid about the vehicle that he drove. I mean, I would be driving and just constantly on the lookout. And then one day I realized I have no fucking clue what he drives now. Like how easy is it to change what you drive? And so I realized I was so paranoid about a particular vehicle having no idea if that's even what he was driving anymore. I mean, it just gets, it gets so consuming the things that you can think about to be paranoid about. And then you realize that you could be completely paying attention to the wrong thing. I mean, it's, it's such a mind fuck. Um, so finally our contact stopped, everything like that stopped. The lawsuits proceeded Um, He ended up not showing up to court, um, which means that I won by by default because he didn't show up. So I won the lawsuit against him. Um, But what I didn't know was that that doesn't mean you get anything. It just means it's now documented in the court system that you won the lawsuit. And I didn't realize that at the time. So... Um, that was that, I mean, that was probably a year late. It took probably a year for all that to take place. Um, and then fast forward to about two years ago when I decided to actually do something about the money that he owed me from the lawsuit. And so I hired an attorney and we went to collections. There's actually a window where you have to pursue collections. Otherwise you lose it. And I was right in that window. The window was about to close. So the attorney reopened it. We went to collections and spent about a year <laughs> um, pursuing collections. But he was he's now married. And we froze his bank account, which happened to be his wife's bank account and happened to be where her paycheck was deposited every month. So when we froze that bank account, guess who now knows that he owes another woman a significant amount of money because he's a fuck up. So I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation <laughs> in that household. Um, so Maybe yeah. Both. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's still married after all that, but the other side of it was that loss of when you win a settlement, it accrues interest. And so it has been accruing interest since I don't even remember when that was, it's been accruing interest. 2008, 2000, 2008, I think it's been accruing interest since then. So it actually was almost double (laughs) um, what the original settlement was. So he ended up paying almost double what, than what he would have paid if he would have paid it originally. So yeah, I finally, I finally feel like, 
um, I at least am, you know, it, it was like a big moment of closure. Um, what did you do? What did, how did you finally get healed from all that though? I mean, after that experience is, I mean, I would say it's not uncommon. I would say probably that's a common thing to happen to uh, women, you know, get manipulated by these guys. You know, yeah. how, do you, how do you, how do you, what would you say to somebody who was going through that? And then how did you, you know, process it and get over it, heal from it? I think anybody, regardless of your gender or your sexual identity, um, I think anybody who finds themselves in situations that you know are not safe, are not healthy, are not functional, but you continue to stay um, and you continue to allow things to happen. It's, I definitely deeply believe that it's, it's a self-worth issue. It's, it's um, maybe our upbringing was not the best. Um, maybe we've been in previous relationships that were really damaging to our, our self-esteem. Um, but, and I think, obviously I can only speak for women, but I do think that it's more likely to happen with women because we are raised with this mentality that we are like subservient and, and that, um, you know, a lot of times for a woman, it's, this is definitely changing, but society has, has been set up to where women are expected to be married where, you know, like that's the social expectation for a woman is that we're married. And then there's just all this, you know, context about how, um, do you believe, do you believe into that? Do you believe women should get married? Do you believe in marriage? Uh, I am now, I think I am perpetually single now. Um, I, I have no intention to ever get married again, just because I think, I think, marriage is, is pointless. Um, I think I would much rather wake up every day next to my partner because we both chose to wake up next to each other that morning, as opposed to waking up next to somebody because we have a signed piece of paper saying we're supposed to wake up next to each other. Like I would, I would much rather have somebody choose me day after day, year after year, then have a piece of paper that says that we're obligated to each other. I agree. So I, yeah, I don't see myself getting married. I would be very surprised if I got married again. Um, and I did, I was dating for a while. Um, and I, it's just not for me at this time. No. <laughs> so no. I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very single. Um, are they yeah. now dating? Did you go back on dating apps? You know, I don't even know if they have any. I mean, I'm sure they have websites now, but, you know, everything's <laughs> on the phone. But um, did you go on the dating apps? Um, you know? So after that situation, I actually got married um, to someone that I had known previously. So no apps involved. I had known this person previously. Um, it just wasn't a healthy situation for me. I stayed way too long. Um, so I think it's been me finally leaving that relationship was really a turning point in my life. And I'm just no longer willing to be in a situation like that. I did try, I, I took about a year and a half, not even thinking about dating and relationships because I was in that, my last relationship for 10 years. 
And so I just took a year and a half, not even thinking about it. And then I was hanging out with a friend and she was like, you should really like start dating. Um, So I tried that for almost two years. I was actually really, I, I went on, I would say I was actually used to keep track of it over 40 first dates. Um, in about a two year period, um, and just, yeah, I only had one guy that, um, I made it that I chose to keep around after the third day, only one out of more than 40. And I just, it's just not for me right now. It's what, why, why is that? Why 40 <laughs> first dates? <laughs> I mean, I you, you know, they had a movie, you know, 50 first dates, you know, yeah, <laughs> at this point. Um, no, I think, I think I'm a hard match. I think there's certain things about me that make me a difficult match to begin with. Um, I also think I, um, I think dating is difficult for me. There's, I think part of it is, you know, ADHD, like there's things I just don't get about dating. There's like, it was a huge learning curve for me to even get back. I was like, what are we talking about? What is this acronym? What's happening? Um, I, so yeah, I think dating itself is confusing to me. Um, sure. I, I it's a weird time anyway. I mean, dating yeah. now is, is, is weird. I mean, yeah. now you're meeting people online and, uh, well, dating is really in relationships are really disposable. It yeah. seems like yeah, to yeah. this day and age, you know, I get it. I took time off too from relationships. Yeah. I had got after I uh, went on a second run with uh, with an ex and I was like, you know what? I'm done. I don't need to be in a relationship. I'm going to take about a year and a half off from dating. Uh, so I get it. I get taking that time off. Plus it was good for me because I also needed it because of things I was going through. But, yeah. um, you know, I will give a pro tip right now though. Okay. My pro tip, if you're dating online, do not use your real phone number. Get a Google Voice phone number. Until you're comfortable with that person, then give them your real phone number. You can just tell them why. Hey, listen, this is for security reasons. I've had bad things happen. Or if you haven't had bad things happen, who cares? You know what I mean? It's, it's just for safety reasons. Yeah. I, I stay on the app usually until we've had our first date. Um, so yeah. I do all my communication through the app because, because my, my rate of first dates turning into second dates is so low, the likelihood that I'm going to talk to this person again is not high. Right. And then right. if we do decide to have a second date, now I feel comfortable giving you my phone number. Um, but yeah, I, fortunately my, my radar is so sensitive now that I do a really good job of screening because I'm, I'm just so aware and so sensitive to, to people. I mean, I'm very intuitive. And so now I do a really good job, um, of being able to screen ahead of time. Most of the time when I, when I do go out on a date with somebody, we get along really well because we've been conversing and, you know, having conversations before the date. So most of the guys that I've gone out with, we get along really well. Like we have a good time. Um, I just, I would say that my pattern is that I'm not interested in pursuing a like a dating relationship with them. I think that's what happens with me a lot. I also find that I tend to attract um, a, like an overwhelming amount of interest from somebody at the beginning, and then it kind of fades, and that's fucking exhausting. 
Um, I, for some reason, I, I think like I'm really high energy and I'm like, I have a lot going on in my life and, and I'm really active. And, and so I think I attract high energy because I am high energy, but man, that's exhausting. Like when somebody's all up in your business for three days and then, yeah, so I, that's definitely my pattern is. Uh, even people that I that I meet naturally, like organically, that happens, and it's fucking exhausting. And so I just, I am just trying to. I'm really happy on my own. Um, so, and now I'm moving, so that's a whole other dynamic. I'm just really trying to do me and you not worry about. Other that's good. In the world, but that's now, awesome. even more importantly from your relationships, you are doing something extremely awesome is helping kids out. Um, you are a neurodivergent coach, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Now explain a little bit about that. What is that? So I um, primarily work with kids and teens, um, but really the stuff that I do is applicable to anybody. I run social groups um, on Zoom, so they're open to anybody. And we part of it is a curriculum that I have created. I worked in special education for a long time. I've now had my own business for more than seven years. So it's, I created my own social curriculum. And so part of my, my classes are direct teaching, like conversations and, and that kind of thing. And then part of it is we just hang out together and do fun stuff on Zoom. So there is part learning and part connection building, but it is, yeah, it's for kids who are neurodivergent, which is primarily autism, ADHD, learning disabilities. Um, I also do one-on-one support. So I have some, some of my, the people that I do one-on-one with are older, um, or maybe we do one-on-one because of the schedule like this, you know, they can't attend my classes. Um, I have a podcast, um, YouTube channel. Um, what's the name, what's the name of the podcasts? What's the name of the YouTube channel? Yeah. So my business is called starfish social club and my podcast is social skills unscripted because I'm all about things not being box like a box, you know, like do this, do this. I'm all about, you know, how we show up organically in the world. Um, so social skills unscripted. I just started having guests, so I have a lot of really cool people on on the podcast, and we nice. talk about like just a lot of really cool stuff that relates to neurodiversity. That's good. I, as somebody who has ADHD, I still have ADHD. Mm-hmm. hasn't gone anywhere. You know, I just didn't know as a kid. Uh, I know I was diagnosed with it when I was young. They gave me a real one, uh, and they gave me uh, what well, I think was uh, Adderall. No, not Adderall. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe that that was the other one. I can't remember. They gave me a you know the, the drugs when I was a kid to help me sit still. Didn't work. Yeah. Um, uh, and they also gave me a learning disability. You know, which is bullshit. You know what I mean? I just learn different than other people. I can't yeah. sit now. Can't sit you know chair for eight hours and scribble on a piece of paper. It's just not my style. You yeah. know. Um, and my son, not diagnosed. He's getting diagnosed. I think he has it as well. Um, so now we just adapt to it and say, man, it's not over. This is just the beginning. Yeah. Now we can work with it. You know what I mean? So he's a little spitfire just like me. So no doubt it, no doubt. And I'm like, man, it's not over. This is just a different ball game, man. And guess what? It's a yeah. better ball game because we're different. 
So we could play by some different rules, man. Yeah. It usually means that, that kids will struggle in school and then when they become adults, they will be fucking on fire. That's, that's what I find. Guess who didn't graduate high school? This guy right here dropped out at 10th grade, struggled all through school, you know, um, and wrote me off. Everybody wrote me off. Like, man, nope. I'm on fire, man. I am on fire. So, and the fire is just even burning even hotter now, but Steph, thank you for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it. You know, you're a badass. You went through a situationship and came out of it. And the guy kind of put you through hell and scared the holy crap out of you to really was hard to even get into another relationship. You know, but you keep grinding. You keep pushing forward. You keep moving. Thank you so much. You are a badass, Steph. You truly are. You don't give up. I might not be the love guru, you know, but don't stop dating and don't stop putting yourself out there because you're going to find the person for you. It just takes time. And not only that, but you also love yourself. And that's most important is you loving yourself. You know, I think it's, I've gotten to the point where um, I've created a really amazing life for myself. Like I'm also an Ironman triathlete. Um, I speak four languages, you know, so I've created this really amazing life for myself. So if someone else wants to be part of it, they are also going to have to be really amazing. Yeah. You know, that's kind of my mentality at this point. Yeah, but this is not an invitation to go hit her up on the DMs. So don't do it, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Unsolicited DMs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Thank you, Steph. Appreciate it. Listeners, come on. Hit subscribe, hit like, get the notifications of these badass episodes. We appreciate everybody. We love all of our followers and our listeners out there. Until next time, go listen to some more Coffee Conversations and Badasses podcast. If you have a heroic story and you'd like to share it, get in contact with us. Our information's in the bio. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe, like, and share. And then I'll see you on the next episode, badasses.